Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Hey, Open Mic Podcast listeners. Want to share your opinions, give me feedback, or tell me what you're thinking? If you do, send me a voice message. Voice messages are an easy way for you to send me audio that might end up in future episodes of the podcast. They're the latest feature from Anchor, the platform that I use to make this show. Here are some things that I would love to hear from you. What questions do you have for me? What did you think of the episode? What did you think of the topic? Who should I interview next? Make up a theme song. I don't know. Do your best impression of me. I'll see all of your messages and I might add them into a future episode. Anchor makes that part super easy. You can send me a voice message right now from wherever you're at, wherever you're listening. Just tap the link in my show notes and I can't wait to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to the Open Mic Podcast. Until next time, cheers and be well and enjoy today's episode. It's time for the Open Mic Podcast with your host, Brett Allen. Broadcasting live from the Bay Area studios, here at the Open Mic, no topic is off limits. And of course, you never know who may stop by. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's show. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into episode 119 of the Open Mic Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Allen. It is a pleasure and an honor, as always, to be here with you. Joining in for today's episode, lots of fun things planned. It's the weekend, super excited about that. Going to be spending time with my son. Really pumped to see him. Not sure what we're going to do, actually, this weekend, because it's raining all weekend. Which, we need the rain, so that'll allow us to stay inside. I've got Christmas toys that Santa brought that he hasn't even opened yet, so maybe we'll open those up and uh, do something fun. What are you guys doing this weekend besides listening to this amazing show? Give us a shout out. Let us know. Theopenmicpodcast.net is our website. Openmicguest at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you as well. And uh, just hear what's going on. Thank you, everybody, for listening, for joining in, and just being part of this fun, fun show that we do. Hard to believe that uh, I'm even doing this. And I say that a lot, and I, I don't want to overstate it, but it's true. It's just mind-boggling that I'm able to do this. I really am living my dream. I really am. Even though I'm not making any money from the show, per se, it's it's not about that. It's about just the pure pleasure and joy of doing this and talking to so many amazing people. Like today's guest, Mikey Taylor, former pro skateboarder turned entrepreneur of Commune Capital. We're going to talk to him. It's crazy. Never in, in this life would I be talking to these people if I wasn't doing a podcast. Like, for real. And uh, I'm just super blessed and super thankful that I get to do this all the time and that even one person listens is a big deal. And it's just crazy, crazy. And all the supporters, everything like that, uh, it's just, it's literally mind boggling that uh, I never even imagined in my lifetime I would be doing something like this. And I've got some more amazing guests coming up as well. I know we did a few mentions here the other day in our last episode. But uh, I've got more people lined up that just confirmed today, and it's crazy. So if you ever have any questions that you want us to answer on the air for our feedback episodes or behind the scenes with Eric and I, definitely email us. And uh, again, my email is openmicguest at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. So without further ado, let's get to today's guest, Mikey Taylor. Welcome to the Open Mic Podcast. It's good to have you here today. Thank you, my man. 
Yeah, well, I am excited to talk to you. I've been looking forward to this for a while. Uh, big fan, by the way, of the skating, always have been. And when I reached out to you and you agreed, I I have to be honest, I, I geeked out just a little bit. But uh, <laughs> uh, I do that a lot these days, but uh, I've gotten better. But anyway, I appreciate it. And uh, I'm excited to chat with you here today. Now, for those obviously listening who may not know, Mikey was a pro skateboarder for a long time and then made the jump to an entrepreneur. If you wouldn't mind just sharing just a little bit about that, at what point you decided to make the change because it was quite a big jump. Yeah, sure. So uh, so I was a pro skateboarder for about 15 years. Um, through that process, I was always trying to figure out a way on how I could make money after skateboarding. That was like always a big fear of mine was what the hell am I going to do after this, right? Like my, my career can only last 10 years. I'm going to be 34. Then what do I do? Mm-hmm. Right. And I was, you know, I, I was of that, that generation that was told that if you don't go to college, you can't make money. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think just being from, from, you know, growing up in that message, I just always felt like no one was going to hire me. Right. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to make a certain amount of money. So I just kind of took the, took the, uh, you know, the stance of, I guess I got to do this shit myself. And, mm-hmm. and so I started, uh, I started kind of, uh, a, a little at a time. I, I started a backpack company with Atiba called Bravo. Um, we started a design firm, uh, called Palmer design. I, I, I was starting these little things that I could be a part of, have equity in, uh, but still be able to skate at the same time. I was taking like this hybrid approach so I could start building businesses along with me that would help me, uh, you know, help me have options of what I was going to do after skateboarding. We started a company called St. Archer, which was a craft brewery in San Diego. Uh, this all happened when I was about, gosh, I would say 28 is when I, 27, 28 is when I started going through this, uh, this kind of journey of, of starting brands. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was all in the hope of, being able to make money uh, after my career is over. (laughs) (laughs) You obviously now are a very, you're a huge entrepreneur. You've, you've started a company called commune capital, which I definitely want to talk about, but I want to ask you from your perspective now being on the other side of it, what are some things that you wish somebody would have told you that you would have done differently now that you can look at it from the other lens, so to speak? Oh, man. You know what? To tell you the truth, I actually had incredible guidance uh, okay. from an early age, which was great. Um, the thing is, like for me, and I know everyone says this, I wish I would have just got there sooner, right? Like, it, you know, I didn't get into this mentality of, you know, investing in in myself beyond skateboarding until I was in my late 20s, mm-hmm. right? Like I wish I would have had that mentality at, 1920, right? It's just, uh, you know, I was a dumb kid who just was immature and wanted to have fun, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, I, I think that's the the one thing I wish that just unfortunately, uh, you know, 2020 is, uh, hindsight 2020 is, I just wish I would have been on this path earlier, you mm-hmm. know? So, um, yeah, that's awesome. That's it, awesome. Yeah. Probably that, just to like come real quick, and, uh, another thing I think I wish I would have, uh, known at a younger age was, uh, I wish I would have planned more for the emotional side of my career going away. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I, I was so prepared for the financial arm. I didn't realize 
how hard it was going to be for me emotionally to let go of something that I, I cared so much about. Um, so I, I think those would be the two things. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about that for a minute now that you mentioned that. What was that moment like from you when you decided that I've I've done this as long as I can, you know, I'm getting older and so it's becoming more difficult to skate and to do all these different things and compete. What was going through your head at the time when you, you finally made the decision that I'm going to walk away from all of this and pursue this other career full time? So, so really what happened to me is, uh, I had, uh, I had my main shoe sponsor, which was all my income at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had a, I had about a year and a half left on that contract and I was kind of, you know, preparing for that being the end of my career. Mm -hmm. Uh, and they found a loophole in my deal and ended up terminating it like, you know, on call. And that is what fucked me up. Like to be completely honest with you, even though it was just a year and a half, I was so preparing. I was, I was starting to prepare for it to be a year and a half, starting to want to do all the last things I I was going to do as pro skateboarder. And when I got that call and it ended unexpectedly, that was the, I think that was the true struggle of just feeling like I wasn't able to do everything I really wanted to do or being able to leave on my time. Right. Mm -hmm. I know that's like a, uh, everyone wants to do everything on their time and, and the world just doesn't work like that. But, uh, but that was a challenge, uh, to be totally honest with you. So, um, it was, you know, I faced a situation that, uh, was not ideal for myself and I wasn't ready to do it. I just had to make the call Mm -hmm. and, and decide that it was, it, my time was now to go all in, mm-hmm. you know, and it was, it was gnarly. It was, a, it was the hardest thing I've ever done for sure. Yeah. I can't imagine, especially being with such a big company like that DC and just, I imagine having some fantastic stuff happening for you. And then all of a sudden they go, we're done, you know, and especially yeah. if you're thinking I've got at least another 18 months on this and yeah. it's unbelievable. So I want to ask you, and I ask all my entrepreneurs this question, you know, from an outside perspective again as well, you know, we don't have to get specific obviously about people, but what are some of the biggest challenges that you see these young athletes like yourself or maybe anybody else, it could be a sport, whatever, some of the mistakes that they make when they decide that they want to become an entrepreneur instead of just an athlete? Because I think at least, and you might have a different thought, that they're really two different kinds of skill sets. What, what are your thoughts um, on that for sure? Well, gosh, man. Uh, I would say I think there's two different types of athletes. Okay. But I think, I think there's, there's the athlete that is uh, incredibly passion-driven, and they found something that, that is, they're so obsessed and passionate about that they put themselves in a situation where it's like they just dedicate everything to it, to do it. And there's like this, this work, love work doesn't feel like work because they love the situation. Right. But a lot of times, at least with skateboarding, a lot of those guys aren't very business savvy. Mm -hmm. Right. But there are a handful of them that, that are, Right. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's, there's parts of us as athletes that I think from a skill set standpoint really help you to succeed at whatever you do, whether it's business, whatever afterlife you, you choose. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think the hard part for a lot of athletes and, and the, the, the challenge I see is one, they have a hard time finding that thing that grabs them. Mm-hmm. Right. Like for me, like, dude, 
I will give you 150% if I'm into it. If I'm not like consumed by it, I'm up 10% of, I'm, I'm terrible. I'm mm-hmm. completely awful. Right. So for me, I always had to find things that were like, that I became obsessed over. And I think sometimes athletes struggle to find what that thing is. One, I think two athletes start preparing when it's late, mm-hmm. right? Most athletes don't accept that they're not going to be on this path forever. They're not going to make this money forever. Everyone kind of doesn't think anything will ever change. So I think by the time a lot of athletes start preparing for life after whatever their passion is, they're almost in a very dangerous zone because it's really hard to uh, to change your lifestyle, right? Sure. Coming down on lifestyle is really hard. So you can imagine if the later you get, the smaller runway you're going to have to to create the business that's going to end up covering that, mm-hmm. right? So I think it's just a, you know, I, I think athletes, one, struggle with finding their next purpose or passion, and two, uh, a lot of them wait too long. Mm-hmm. You know, I look at people like Rob Deerdeck who seem to just have such a natural ability to creating business and products and so many different brands that, you know, if he's done skating or decides he doesn't want anything to do with it anymore, he's definitely set up for life. Like I look at him as an entrepreneur and go, man, this guy really has it all together. And yeah. it's it's inspiring to people like me who are, are trying to build a brand like this podcast and really just expanded out the reach as far as I possibly can, but also having small steps along the way to celebrate those victories, you know, and 100%. I think you as well have done that, you know, with Commune Capital, which I definitely want to talk about for sure. So you you were done with skating. And you started all these other small businesses kind of building up and you had great help. At what point did you start looking into Commune Capital and where did that idea come from for those listeners who may not be completely familiar? So what happened to me is when I lost my career, I I had a really hard time figuring out what that passion or purpose was, right? Like I, I, I really struggled and, and I didn't think I had a big ego. I thought I was like very clear and centered and down to earth and, and really humble. But when I, when you go through something like that, I was kind of had to accept the reality that I did have an ego. A lot of my identity was wrapped into me being a professional skateboarder. Mm-hmm. Right. So like when that, when I lost that, it, I felt myself like trying to like, grab at things to like replace it, right? Like, okay, well, fuck, man, I'm a pro skateboarder. I got to do something like I'm going to start a shoe company and that's going to make me like, you know, powerful and loved. No, that's, it was like I was throwing out all these ideas to try to get that, that inner feeling, uh, uh, it's just gone. Right. And I, and I kept like trying to like fill the void with these ideas that weren't me. Mm -hmm. I was going to do a shoe brand. I was going to do a coffee company. I was like, just trying to find that. And, and finally, like, I kind of just had to, like, take a step back and go, dude, like, what is the true reason why you feel this way? What are you missing inside that's making you feel like you need to, like, find purpose in in a brand you're building or get, you know, affirmation from people because you're a skater? And I had to work through those issues mm-hmm. during this. And, and, and it was just like, as I started working on those, it was a, uh, you know, a, a phone call from Sean Malto and, uh, you know, he was just calling and, and asking how I was doing. Right. He was like, dude, are you okay, man? Like what's, what's going on? Right. And I started telling him about this whole process. Like, dude, I'm, you know, I didn't 
think this was going to be this hard. I don't know what I should do throughout the day. Like just breaking down my struggles to him. Right. And he was like, you know, Malto, he's like, yeah, dude, like I get it. But like, dude, why don't you look at how blessed you are? Mm -hmm. Like you have a wife, you have two kids, you have a home, you haven't made a dollar in five months and you're totally fine. Like, what are you talking about? You know, like I, I, I hope I'm in that position where I lose my sponsors, like, or my career ends. I hope I'm in a position where it's like, I, I'm, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, you know, I hang up the phone with them. I feel even worse about myself. I have like full survivor's guilt now at this point, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, you know, but, but he, 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 he struck a, I, I don't want to say nerve, but he, without even realizing it, hit a pain point inside of myself mm-hmm. that, that I had been feeling for 18 years. Wow. Right. This pain point of what the fuck am I going to do after skating? Mm-hmm. Right. I've dedicated my entire life to this and it's just going to be gone. What the hell am I going to do? Right. And I started basically with wanting to fix our industry. Why do we in, in the skateboard industry build up these kids, give them no guidance, give them fame, money, and then just spit them out. Mm-hmm. Right. There's something wrong with our industry. And, and, and it really started me wanting to fix that because I don't want to be the, the 1% that makes it through this. I, I want sure. all of us to make it through it. And when I really started reverse engineering my 15 year career and the things I did to get myself in this position, it, it truly came back to two things. The lifestyle I was living living really below my means so that I could maximize the amount of money I was investing into things to give me passive income. And the vehicle that I chose to do that was real estate. Okay. Even though I would invest in all these startup companies, it was 5% of my portfolio. But Mm -hmm. the majority of my money, 65, 75, 70% of it was invested in real estate. So when I started kind of going down this, I was like, you know what? If I'm going to help, help my friends and my peers kind of plan for their future, I'm going to do it the same way I did it. And, and when you look at where I put the majority of my money, it was in real estate. Mm-hmm. And that's how the idea began, began. It was me wanting to just help, it help and create an opportunity for my friends. Uh, and then as we started the company, uh, I wasn't prepared for how many more people that resonated with beyond skateboarders. And uh, gosh, now you know, fast forward a year and, and, and a half, we, we have a very eclectic group of investors that range from, you know, doctors, CFOs, entrepreneurs, athletes. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty cool thing, but it started with me wanting to, to help my friends. Yeah. And now they've become very close and you have business partners you can trust. So what you do with the company, I think is very unique and very cool. So if I understand correctly, and please correct me if I am wrong, which I oftentimes can, can be, yeah, you, focus, time, yeah. <laughs> you focus on investing in communities, right, to help rebuild them and to reconstruct them, so to speak, to make them better, right? That's sort of a summation of what you do, or maybe not housing areas, but yeah. maybe businesses as well. No, you're, 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 pretty, you're pretty close. So we look at everything we do as building a community, whether it's an investment property, it's our investors, it's the listener, every, everyone that's involved with our company, whether it's the product or, or, or on our side, we want to feel like we're all here to make each other better. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so for, you know, for the projects we look for, we, we either find a, 
a property that is just run down or beat down that we can renovate and bring new life into a community or uh, something that we could develop and create something new uh, mm. for the investment side of things. Um, for our investors, it's like I, I, I try to create the same feel. It's like I, I, you know, I'm very close with a lot of them. We do a lot of things together, even when it comes to like building out the projects. Like you know, I try to to keep them just as involved as possible. Uh, and, and and so this thing feels more like you know, a team, like when we were sponsored, uh, and not just a random real estate investment. Mm -hmm. So how do you You choose? Yeah, absolutely. How do you choose where to go or what to pick out? Do they come to you or do you come to them? Or is it like a mutual Uh, meeting? It, it, you know what, it, it has come both ways. As far as like areas, uh, what I believe is that I think skaters, artists, I think creatives are the first ones in on a lot of these areas before the transition happens, mm-hmm. right? At least for skaters, man, like we always look for cheap rent, right? <laughs> so we go to like a lot of places that aren't that cool and, and we end up making them cool. You know, you, you, we, you know, skaters like Long Beach, for example, Long Beach, dude, skaters started taking over Long Beach six years ago, mm-hmm. right? Long Beach now is like one of the coolest places ever. Six years ago was the hood, right? So it's like, I just me from being a skater, traveling the world six months of, of the year, being in all these little cool pockets, really a lot of our strategies, I pick the areas that I see kind of my people in first, and then I get together with my, my partners, and, you know, three of my partners have been involved in real estate for, you know, one of them 30 plus years, the other 15 plus years, and so I pick the area from a from a cultural uh, standpoint or, or kind of what I feel, they do all the market research on it and we kind of uh, hone in on certain zones that we really like. Uh, and then, uh, you know, also we have had deals brought to us that just happen to be in some of those areas that, that we target. That's very cool. I don't know if you're super familiar with the Bay Area or San Francisco, but it's interesting that you mentioned those areas where skaters come in and, and make things cool because in the middle of downtown San Francisco, it's in a middle it's an area that's not super safe, but it's it's not horrible. But they put in this massive skate park underneath a highway yeah. system. It's crazy. Yeah. And there's so many that. people. Yeah. And they just come in and they just there's thousands of kids in there just skating and it's free. I don't know who set it up, but it's like one of the coolest things. And you have people on the scooters too now that I don't know how the skaters feel about those guys kind of coming in on their yeah. territory, but it's it's pretty cool to watch. So when yeah. you approach a community and you want to do something like that, typically what is the response like from people who live there or people in the area? Are they, are they like, oh, this is super cool, or are they maybe a little bit nervous at first? That is a phenomenal question. So uh, for... Look, when when you're going into an area that is transitioning, uh, there's people that are hurt by that, mm-hmm. right? Because a lot of these people, uh, it means that, that change is happening in their life, right? A lot of times these buildings and certain buildings, the price is going up so much that they can't afford it, mm-hmm. right? So so you got to just, you know, at, at least how we approach it, right? And, and, and we'll use this building in Long Beach that we're about to finish. Long Beach is all non-rent control. Okay. Right? So... So for us as the owner, legally, we can walk up, put a letter on the door, and you have to leave in 60 days. Okay. And we can fully vacate the entire building. And a lot of people do that. Yeah, So you yeah. can imagine 
you can imagine the pain point that a lot of people feel as you know investors come in to turn an area or mm-hmm. or as an area is being gentrified right for us, we just choose to take a different approach. We don't, we, you know, with this with this 34 unit, we didn't vacate anyone. We didn't force anyone to leave. A lot of it was us starting to create relationships with a lot of these people. And a lot of them, you know, our building went through a massive renovation. So, you know, the people that were living with us couldn't afford the new rent. So we helped them get into other areas. We oh, give wow. them a budget. We work with them. As, as much as we can so that the transition for them is as smooth as possible. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of people, you know, depending on where you're working, uh, dude, there can be lawsuits. It can be incredibly like oh, shitty for both sides. Right. And so we just, you know, we try to be as sympathetic and, and, and real with them. And, you know, with this last project, it, it was, we didn't have to vacate one person. There was not one lawsuit. It was, uh, it, it was a great experience. You know, I, I'm not saying everyone was, you know, through the moon, sure, but uh, as far as, you know, what we're doing, uh, I, I don't know if we could have done a better job uh, mm-hmm. on this last one. Yeah. And Oakland you know? has experienced that a lot here too, where they've gone in and they've revamped these neighborhoods and put in a Starbucks or a yoga shop, maybe where there was a liquor store at one point. And I think people here are 50-50, but it's interesting because a lot of people now that live in San Francisco have moved to the outskirt cities like Oakland or Emeryville or whatever because the cost of living in San Francisco is so high. And, of course, there's tons of rent control, so... It's like, it's it's a 50-50 thing. I appreciate your honesty on that. And again, I I just think it's interesting what you do, but you know, I, the honesty I think is what makes your company different. I think for maybe others, because you don't just try and go in and, you know, just tear everybody down because that doesn't help anybody either. I don't know. I, I, I agree. And I think there's, uh, I appreciate that. And, and I think there's just, there's a, you know, I think I might have a different outlook Mm -hmm. than others, right? Like, and I think that's just normal. But when I look at something that's, that's run down or bad, the first thing I see is how do you make it better? Mm -hmm. That's, That's just how I've always been. Right. But others, there's, I mean, dude, we both know how uncomfortable change is. Oh, yeah. Right? There's a lot of people that don't want to deal with change, regardless if it's going to end up being positive or negative. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's just, to me, it's like, dude, I'm, I'm coming to do something. If it's going to affect someone else, I don't want to just like, like, I think morally, like, I don't want to just like, you know, just stomp by you and just like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, I want to, I want to at least like try and work with people uh, who have different opinions on 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 what we're doing? You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the key is how you approach it because I know that there can be a lot of negative kickback for companies like yourself that come in and try and do that, but they don't approach it the right way. And I think too, part of that might just be your upbringing from your family, how your parents raised you, or just your experiences in the skateboarding industry where you lost a major deal and you know what it's kind of like to go through such a rough patch, but I think it's awesome. And, you know, that was definitely one of the many things about you that got my attention that wanted to reach out and and talk to you about that. Because on this show, I I like to present a nice, even keel approach to everything and not just pin somebody in the corner because that's not fun for anybody. So, 
we're getting close to the end here, and I did want to ask you one last question. And again, it's another one that I love to to ask my entrepreneurs. So, being so successful and having such a following and popularity, not just in skating but with your business, what would be your approach that you take if somebody reaches out to you? and is looking for a mentor or someone wants to find a mentor like yourself, what advice would you have to that person to say approaching yourself or maybe someone else of such a a high stature? God, what a great question, man. That's two bangers. Um, Dude, for me, uh, I get hit up a lot of times. I get hit up pretty often from people just flat out asking, can you mentor me? Yeah. Right. And, and, and the hard thing about that is, of course, like someone like me, I think like a lot of people that are out here in a position to mentor, of course we want to help, right? But but the hard part is like with me, I feel like I don't even have the time to mm-hmm. dedicate to somebody to mentor, right? Like maybe directly, but but if somebody were to, you know, c- c- approach me and say, hey, look, um, how can I help? What, mm-hmm. Do you have an internship? What What do you need help with that I could offer you to make your your life easier, right? And if someone came on with like a, like, look, there's a ton of shit I need help with. There's a ton of shit I need to do, right? Like, if if you can come into the mix and like be an asset to what we're doing, I think naturally you're gonna take on a like, like naturally you're you're gonna learn from us, right? Almost like inadvertently be mentoring you through this process. But I think a lot of people just don't take that approach, right? People don't create the relationship before just asking straight up, can you mentor me? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. That's, what I, that's at least for me personally uh, uh, would help me. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. Just real quick, do you still stay connected with the skate community? Are you still close with a lot of those guys? Or have you kind of just distanced yourself from that altogether pretty much? So uh, I have a skateboard company called Sovereign. Okay. And uh, and my whole goal with that company was having something that would always connect me to skateboarding. So uh, so yeah, I do stay in touch with a lot of the guys. I mean, with Commune, you know, ten of our investors are skaters, so I'm constantly <laughs> in contact with them. I have a I have Sovereign We sponsor, you know, about nine guys, so I'm in contact with them. The hard part for me is just I'm not at all the events anymore. Sure. sure. So there's a lot of faces I just don't see. Um, but you know, I stay connected with them on, you know, for all those other guys, Instagram, I follow a lot of them and, uh, try to stay as as connected to this community as I possibly can. Very cool. Well, Mikey Taylor, thank you so much for joining me. And if people want to find out about your business or just your career and just kind of see what you've been up to, where can they find you at? So probably the best way to find me is on Instagram. It's just Mikey Taylor. Um, and then, uh, you'll be able to find all my business through Instagram. Um, but if you're, if you want to know about commune capital, it's just communecapital.com, uh, and that will take you to our site and you'll be able to see, uh, what we're, what our current projects are, past projects, et cetera. Very well. And all of his information will be available in our show notes as well. Mikey, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you as well. Thank you. All right. That brings today's episode to a close. As always, thank you so much everybody who listens in and joins us follows us on social media supports us on itunes and apple podcasts and all of that everybody have a fantastic and fun weekend and we will be back next week with more amazing episodes until next time we'll see you soon
That brings today's episode to a close. Thanks for listening in. If you enjoyed today's episode, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a kind rating and review. It really does help. Until next time, cheers and be well.